Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our reading this morning comes from 3 John and can be found in your pew Bible on page 243 of the New Testament. Bless to us this reading of Holy Scripture. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health, just as it is well, as it is well with your soul. I was overjoyed when some of the friends arrived and testified to your faithfulness to the truth, namely how you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the friends, even though they are strangers to you. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on in a manner worthy of God, for they began their journey for the sake of Christ, accepting no support from non-believers. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we may become co-workers with the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll call attention to what he is doing in spreading false charges against us. And not content with those charges, he refuses to welcome the friends and even prevents those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Everyone has testified favorably about Demetrius, and so the truth itself. We also testify for him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. Instead, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk together face to face. Peace be to you. The friends send you their greetings. Greet the friends there, each by name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's scripture reading consists of the shortest book in the entire New Testament. It was written by the same Apostle John who composed the first and second letter just prior to it in scripture. Though, though unlike those two pieces of correspondence, this one is addressed not to a congregation, but to a church. Just the opposite, not to a congregation, but to an individual. There's some shared themes that are present in those letters. John refers to himself as the elder. He celebrates how they are living in the truth. And he talks about how he hopes one day to meet them face to face. As was true of the second letter that was our text last week, John is concerned in this one about some problem facing the church 
And yet, unlike the previous letter, this one is not from outside influences, but from within. As he begins. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health, just as it is well with your soul. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the friends, even though they are strangers to you. John is talking about a pattern of communication that was present in the earliest days of the church as messengers or envoys were sent, maybe from the mother church in Jerusalem, to all the congregations that had been established in the Mediterranean region. The purpose of those messengers, we would guess, is to help solve any sort of problems that have arisen as the congregation is being established, including certainty about the truth of of this new faith that they are teaching. John's expectation is that every congregation will welcome these envoys that have come to them. And in this letter to a man named Gaius, he is celebrating how the congregation of which Gaius is a part has done just that. For John reports that these envoys have testified to your love before the church. We ought to support such people, he said, so that they may become. It's after that introductory word of praise and reminding the church of what their role is with these envoys that John goes ahead and talks about a problem. And it's with a man named Diotrephes. This is the only time that name appears in the Bible, so all that we know is what John has to share. Apparently, Diotrephes was a leader in some congregation. Was it the same as the one Gaius was part of? We don't know. And yet what we do know is that this man is resisting these envoys. I have written something to the church, he continues, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Maybe the issue is that Diotrephes is enjoying his role of leadership and doesn't want anyone to challenge it with a different sort of perspective But John goes on to say that what's happening is not only is Diotrephes refusing to show hospitality to these envoys that have been sent to him, he is removing from the church anyone who does. And John wants to stop that pattern before it continues. So he continues to say, do not do what is evil, but do what is good and then introduces him to the bearer of this letter. Everyone has testified favorably about Demetrius, he says, and so has the truth itself. We also testify for him, and you know that our testimony is true. With that word, John quickly wraps up his letter all of 219 words. As is true of the entirety of Scripture, so are there many ways that we could faithfully hear and respond to this letter. We could hear it as a reminder of the importance of hospitality in the church and of the benefit that we experience from the larger church and those who have had different sorts of experiences. 
It's a letter that reminds us that our task on this earth is to model the good, not the evil, that we see happening around us. And it's this clear understanding that there's a role each of us have to play in preserving the unity of a congregation. All those pieces and more can be heard from this particular letter. But given how John seems to primarily be writing this letter as an introduction of Demetrius to Gaius, I'd like for us to ponder the important role of that kind of work still. As introductions are essential in the fullness of life, ask any couple how they met And often you will hear stories of someone, or in the case of a dating app, something that first brought them to the attention of another. A parent standing along the sideline at their child's soccer game, a new student at the start of a semester, anyone at a party, naturally what begins in those is times of introductions that can lead to good conversations, sometimes can form great friendships. And clearly, introductions are key in places of work. True story told of a Chicago bank a number of years ago that was considering for employment a young man from Boston. And they received this letter of recommendation from a Boston investment firm that raved about this young man and told him they should hire him immediately as they pointed out that his father is a Cabot and his mother is a Lowell. Going back further, he said that this young man is descended from the Saltonsaws and the Peabody's and others of Boston's first families. And thus the bank would be well and happy to have someone of this kind of credential joining their firm. A couple days later, the bank wrote back to that firm and said that their letter of recommendation was completely unhelpful, as in part they said this, we're not hiring him for breeding purposes, (laughs) only for work. John was writing his letter, his introduction, for work purposes as well, but as part of it, He was demonstrating the importance of lifting up introductions within and for strengthening any body of faith. One of the reasons that we have the friendship pad that we have in our pew each Sunday is to make that easier for you to meet someone after worship, particularly if you see a name of someone on the pew that you don't know. We ask you to take notice of those names as they're coming back so that you can then speak to someone afterwards. Those same tablets serve a purpose if there's someone across the room that you don't have a chance to reach after worship, you can go over and look at that pad later and learn their name too. Those are key not only for the welcome of visitors, but for strengthening the tie between our members here as well. We were just talking in a staff meeting this past week about how often even the most active members of the church don't always know each other. For every officer training class I have led, for instance, I don't assume those 17 people who begin with me on that night already know each other, even though they're already involved in the church, because they often do not. 
And so we build in times of introducing and getting to know one another. At our session retreat in June, I drew upon that same idea as I asked all of the ruling elders ahead of time to share with me a little-known fact about themselves that they wouldn't mind other people knowing. And so first thing, after our devotional at the retreat, I gave each person on the session a slip of paper with the clue of someone else in the room, and then set them free to go about the room where they would walk up to someone and said, say, for instance, did you survive a plane crash? Or someone else, did you get published in a national magazine? And they had to keep asking those questions until they found the person for whom that clue applied and they were found and then they could sit down. Those kinds of stories deepen our relationships. They move beyond that first level, but point to the key nature of introductions. John was making that connection between Demetrius and Gaius, and he knew it would be important for the future of that body of faith. We don't have a fourth letter from John, so we don't know exactly what the outcome of that introduction was, but we know, based on our own experience, how critical those kinds of introductions can be. Let me share with you two true stories. One day, more than two decades ago, I was on a lunch break at a presbytery meeting. Presbytery is that regional group of Presbyterian churches. This particular meeting was happening at the Davidson College Presbyterian Church in Davidson, North Carolina. At the time, I had been serving a congregation just south of there in Matthews, very near to Charlotte. We had been there for over 10 years and had had a wonderful chapter of ministry together. But I had begun to wonder if it was time to consider a new call. That's Presbyterian speak for another pastorate. Lori and I had talked about that, and the timing seemed right to at least be open to a new call. We had just finished a third capital campaign in Matthews. I had just finished service to the church committee for a Presbytery executive. Our children were both in middle school, and so we decided there was about an 18-month window of time where we would be open to the possibility of a new call, and if it didn't happen, that we would stay there at least until they had graduated from high school. Lori and I had talked about that with each other quite a bit, but we had not shared it with anyone else. So one day at this Presbytery meeting, a minister named Tom comes up to me. Tom served a much larger Presbyterian church just up the road. Both of our congregations provided transportation to worship from a nearby retirement community known now as Matthews Glen. Each church had its own bus where, where residents could hop aboard and come to the service, and their church and ours, the bus was driven by members. I had one particular member who was part of that rotating crew of drivers who every Sunday would let me know, Hemi people from Matthews Glen had come on our bus, and how many had gone on the bus for Tom's church? One Sunday, he proudly came up to me and announced that he had pulled away from the curb with a full bus, and the other church's bus had left empty. And soon that became a regular pattern. 
I'll confess to you I felt some competitive pride in that outcome and allowed my imagination and my ego to fill in the blanks as to why that was happening. And it was a short time later that I was in a conversation with a Christian educator from that church, and I teased, teasingly said to her, I understand that we have more people now riding our bus than yours. And she said, oh, I've heard that too. And they tell me that's because your bus has a lower first step. <laughs> Somehow that had not been on my list of possible explanations. <laughs> At any rate, as Tom comes up to me on that day, he says, I don't know if you're open to a new call or not, but I've given your name to a church in Pennsylvania, and it's the place where all of you are gathered this morning. We listen, I listened to what he had to say a little bit and went home and I shared that conversation with Lori. And she and I do not have the same recollection of what she said in response. What I remember is that after I told her about this church, she said, right, my southern boy husband is going to move us to Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I said, I, I didn't say we're moving. I just said that Tom told, thought it'd be a church that we needed to talk to. So the conversation ended at that point. Later that week, I got an email from the pastor nominating committee here. A few months after that, came for our first visit on a cold day in January. And it was four months later that the moving van unloaded at our home in Doralstown Township, and it all started with an introduction. There's also the true story of a recovering alcoholic named Chester, who after years of trying to get control of his addiction, finally began to experience sobriety. He entered into an outpatient treatment program and started attending a local church as well. Soon thereafter, he joined that congregation and became active right away, cooking for midweek meals and running a clothing closet that the church ran for its homeless neighbors. One day, they asked Chester to speak before the congregation during worship to tell his story. And as part of what he said on that day, he responded in this way. People ask me all the time how I was able to quit drinking after 45 years. They want to know how someone like me can spend his time cooking for others, giving out clothes, studying my Bible. Well, it's easy, he said. I found Jesus. I had heard about him for a long time, I had heard he was in the Bible or in some church or another. Sometimes I would go looking for him in those places, but I never found him. Then one day, I stumbled across him. He was in the faces of the people at the church, and I knew right then that I wanted to be a part. Introductions come in all fashion and they remain essential across the fullness of our lives. Which makes me wonder on this day, who is it that God would have you meet or introduce to someone else? Let us pray. We give thanks, O oh God, for the ways that you continually work in our lives 
and often through frail human beings like us. Help us to be open to the places that you would have us go, the people that you would have us meet, discovering as we do your purpose for that moment and that encounter. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.